if I can use this opportunity today to share the vision of this church, if you can pull that up on the screen for me. Let's recite this together. Woven Church exists to be a diverse church community uh, for the greater Houston metro area that is desegregating Sunday, that is sanctifying Monday to Friday through insightful teaching, intentional discipleship, and holistic outreach. Amen. So this is um, our vision statement, and uh, periodically it's good for us to hit refresh on that, to revisit. Um, people who travel by sea, uh, who go out into the ocean, and when it's night, it's dark down below and dark up above, but there are things up in the heavens. They're called stars. And using the North Star, we can always tell which direction is the way back home. For Woven, this is our North Star. Uh, when we might have times of confusion, as happens to different communities, all communities, this is how we know this is who we are as a church. This is what we want to be. This is why we started. We started as a church so that we could be a diverse and multi-ethnic community. And I love the infusion that our Angolan brothers and sisters bring to the worship presence. Freddie, you're joining us today, and we're so thankful, Covenanter. And just the different cultures, because the cultures contribute to the multi-ethnic expression of faith that I believe, that I believe, is the hope for America and the hope for the world. In fact, when you look in the New Testament, when Paul talks about the church, he's not just thinking about one ethnic church, he's thinking about this multi-ethnic reality. He calls it one new humanity. And this multi-ethnic reality is the church that is both Jew and Greek, Jewish and Gentile. And this multi-ethnic reality is why we started, and it's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. And so if you look in your bulletin, if you look in your bulletin, you're going to see two headings, two headings, and we're going to revisit the book of Ephesians. Those headings are strangers and aliens. And secondly, citizens and heirs. Strangers and aliens and citizens and heirs. I'm going to start off my talk today with a brief story. Um, it's a humorous story, and it's a story at my expense, something that was a little bit embarrassing and self-humiliating. Those are the best stories that I can put in front of you because it shows you that I make mistakes as well, sometimes really dumb ones. Uh, this was over 10 years ago when I was living in Washington State. Washington State, most of you are familiar with Seattle, but no one's probably heard of Bellingham. Bellingham, Washington, that's where I used to live. We have two hands of three people that have heard of Bellingham, Washington. Um, and um, <laughs> this, is a, this is the far left, yeah, in many ways, far left and uppermost corner of the United States. And uh, I resided there for a period and was commuting into Canada, commuting into Canada to go to seminary. And every day I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning and I kissed my wife and at that time my two infant children. And I drove north of the border to finish Bible school, to finish seminary. Um, but I did something that was rather foolish. I didn't acquire a study permit. And the reason I didn't acquire a study permit to go into Canada was A, because I was commuting. 
I didn't think I needed a study permit, and B, because I'm American. If you're an American, why do you need a study permit to go into Canada, which is kind of like second America, which is kind of like, you know, um, a lower version of America? And I remember the humorous moment, you'll think it's humorous, for me it was like the end of my life, where one day I actually came back home <coughs> and actually said, uh-oh, why are you back home? Um, are you skipping class or what happened? And the short of it is, <coughs> the short of it was I had some trouble at the border. Actually, if somebody could hook me up with some water, that would be greatly appreciated. I had some trouble at the border, and what had happened was here am I, a Korean-American, um, encountering a Scotsman, Scotsman-Canadian uh, border patrol. And as I entered this one last time, thank you, Sam, my Iranian friend, speaking of... <laughs> So all the nations have come to worship you, O oh Lord, and we are grateful for what you are bringing together. May this house be a house of prayer for Americans only, for Houstonians only, for Koreans only. May this house be a house of prayer for all nations. Amen. Iranian, Rwandan, Angolan, South American. Hallelujah. Anyway, it's about 7 a.m., and I pull up to the border, and the Scotsman Canadian says, well, what gives you the right to come into my country without a study permit? And I said, what do we need a study permit for? And he says, you need a, you, what makes you think you can study here without a study permit? And I said, I'm commuting, and I'm an American. And I gave him um, the... Uh, I gave him the biggest attitude and the sense of entitlement that I had as an American. And he said, well, I'm going to give you an exclusion order for one year. And so he turns me around. I had to make the U-turn and head back to the United States. And I was in the middle of Greek and in the middle of another class. And I had to drop them all because of my entitlement and my pride and my hubris and my arrogance. Just because you are a citizen and an heir of the kingdom of God, don't forget that you are also a stranger and an alien. Just because you are a citizen and an heir, don't forget that you are also a stranger. Because for me in my life, the biggest mistakes I made, like that moment, was when I thought that I was entitled, when I thought I own this land, I own this road, I own this neighborhood. But many times when I remind myself that I'm a stranger, that I'm a foreigner, I drive a little bit more humbly. I carry myself a little bit more patiently, a little bit more kindly. I recognize that I have to carry myself not with entitlement and hubris and pride, but with a little bit of a limp. And I think that's what makes this nation, I think that's what makes this church, that's what makes Kingdom City a beautiful place, because we are in people who are in touch with what it means to be a stranger and an alien, with a stranger and an alien. So let me begin in this first heading, strangers and aliens, strangers and aliens. Tanya, I know you drove all the way back, and I want to give you the freedom uh, if you want to leave the baskets right over here, I'll take it over. And if you want to head back with Zach, feel free. So, okay. So giving you that option. Um, 
That must have been a crazy morning for you. <laughs> Driving back, I'm sorry about that. Um, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11. I'm going to read the first few verses. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. This is the word of the Lord. Remember, many times I wrap up my sermons trying to leave you with one or two verbs that you will remember throughout the week. Maybe those verbs are start, or go, or pray, or forgive. But here the verb is remember. How do I remember? How do I actively remind myself? What do I remind myself? Remember what? Pastor, Saint, Pastor Wayne said this past week, remember, remember, remember what? Remember what? Remember that you who are Gentiles by birth, uncircumcised, now are excluded from citizenship and foreigners. Now, pardon all that reference to these to these Jewish rites and traditions. The point is uh, when, when, um, when, when Jewish people kind of referred to the uncircumcised, this was, this was a racial, racially loaded word. It was a racial, it was an epithet. So whenever you saw, you know, you know, there's people in my neighborhood who can't drive or something like that, and you drive and you say, you say lean over to the person next to you, says, those uncircumcised. It was a loaded racial term that they used in a derogatory way. Is Paul trying to insult his congregation? Is he trying to tell them you are, you know, you're immigrants, you're foreigners? I think what Paul is trying to do is remind all of us, himself included, that we were excluded, that we were outside. Remember and get in touch with that. For me in my life, the times where I never felt like I was, I, well, the times where I felt like I was part of a pack, where I was part of a group, where I felt a little bit too secure, those are times where I made mistakes. For example, at the border, I'm an American. But those times where I was an outsider, where I was new, where I wasn't fully accepted yet, those were the moments where I grew the most. And I'll share another funny story, and I think this is, this is, um, this is a good story for today, especially since we're all, all the bunch of kids are going up to camp. Half the parents are there already. And uh, my first year at camp, <clears throat> I was, um, uh, it was just me, and it was Peter, Peter Lee, and my son, Austin. And during the worship, I got down and and I sat next to my son, and we were having, you know, this special dad and son moment. And my son's counselor came up to me and said, oh, hey, dude, you're not supposed to do that. You know, it'll make the other kids, it'll make the other kids uh, miss their dads. You know who that counselor was? It was Freddie. 
And this guy, Freddie, at that time you were like, what, 18? 18 or something like that. And Freddie, I mean, this kid, he had the nerve to kind of tell me, the pastor. And with all of his, his kind of, you know, he was doing his job really well. So parents, I want you to be comforted. They have really good counselors. And Freddie was doing his job, and he was saying, you know, basically, back off. He's mine now. <laughs> He's mine now. And he set a boundary there. That was a moment where me, as an outsider, learned a lot. And I submitted to Freddie's leadership over my son's life during those seven days. Because I knew that I don't run this camp. Now I go and I'm like a rock star. And I walk around with the cowboy boots. And, but that's, that's when we make mistakes, right? When you think that you're famous or when you think that you're in the club. But those moments when we don't know everything, when we have a lot to learn, when we're still foreigners, Paul is saying, get back in touch with that. Get back in touch with that. How many of you, and I'm already raising my hand, sometimes feel like you've never really fit in anywhere? Like you felt always a little bit outside or a little bit different or a little bit odd. You can put your hands down now. <laughs> you've always felt a little bit. I think that's not a bad thing. I think that's where Jesus meets us. I think Jesus likes to hang out with the kid, the lonely kid at camp that doesn't fit in. I think Jesus appreciates those persons that walk a little bit with a limp, a little bit humbly. And Jesus meets them in those moments. So friends, what we're saying and what I'm wrapping up this first half of our talk today, what I'm saying is, don't forget that you are strangers and aliens. Don't forget that we're always a little bit on the out and out. We're always fringe. That's where Jesus comes to meet us. But what Jesus does, and I think this accords well with our membership today, to receiving two new members, is he takes strangers and aliens, and Jesus makes those people citizens and heirs. Citizen and heirs. This is the second heading. So he starts off with strangers and aliens, but then Jesus makes citizens and heirs. Um, as we were preparing for summer camp, Stoller gave us a very generous offering this year that I imagine he'll continue to give us uh, $9,000, which funds um, 20 kids to go to camp. And we had 10 slots filled from our church. And we began to ask people from Kingdom City, and we began to ask other Christians. We began to ask people that are close to us. And we experienced this phenomenon where many people that were close to us were saying, we just can't go. We can't make it. And I remember my wife and I thinking, we have, at this point, $4,000 of scholarships remaining and a prime opportunity to introduce children to Jesus. And you know what we did? We threw open the doors. And, and this song was playing in my head from, the, from, from uh, Baxter and Margie's Day <laughs> by Keith Green, right? Keith Green, Amen. And still relevant today, if it's still playing in my ears, and Keith Green is, if you know Keith Green, big afro, and Jesus, um, you know, Jesus 
pioneer, the Jesus movement. He sings this song, close the doors. They're just not coming. We sent the invitations out long, long time ago. We're still going to have a wedding feast big enough to beat them all. The greatest people in the world just wouldn't come, so now we'll just have to invite the small. You know that song? And we took that song. I remember it was, I, I was playing it, literally, and we said we're going to invite everyone. And we just started inviting people. Jo, jo, Joanne, Joanne is here today with Nayara. And then we have several Kazakhs that are coming. We have people from Muslim background. We have people who don't believe in God and people that are coming to camp to experience the love of Jesus. We have 18 slots filled today. 18 slots filled. The doors are open, and many of them are going to come on Camp Sunday. So Camp Sunday, two Sundays from now, we want to really put our best foot forward. Right, Freddie? It's a great day. We can have the full band and people because we've made it camp expectation two Sundays. If you're going to receive this $500 gift, A, your child is going to meet Jesus. B, you have to come to church on Camp Sunday. We have, we have uh, Colombians that are coming. Um, Mexicans that are coming who've gone through some real hardship in their life. Um, Sammy's friend. Do you know what ethnicity they are? Okay. So the doors are wide open so that all of these people, Kazakhs, Colombians, Iranians, Angolans, Rwandans, strangers and aliens, every single one of you, me too, can become citizens and heirs. What kind of country is this? What kind of country? I'm not talking about America. What is this country that Paul envisions? Let's continue with the second half. Look with me at verse 13. Citizens and heirs. Paul says in verse 13 of Ephesians 2, but now in Christ, in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Christ, that phrase, in Christ, that little preposition, Paul uses it a lot. In Christ, you who were sick are now healed. In Christ, you who were far away are now close. In Christ, you who were foreigners and aliens are now part of a family. In Christ. That little preposition, in Christ, is Big in Paul's mind. Because without that, nothing. There's nothing. There's only racial division. There's only Democrat and Republican. There's only North and South Korea. There's only division and war. There's no bridge and opportunity for unity. But in Christ, and he continues on, listen to this in verse 14, the two groups become one. In verse 13, one new humanity is formed out of the two. One new humanity. This new humanity that Paul is talking about, I think, I believe with, I actually believe when I read this book, Ephesians, very carefully, I believe that Paul is envisioning not a new Rome, not a new country. Paul is talking about the church. 
the church. The church is this place where the poor man can serve communion to the rich man and tell the rich man how to live his life. This is the place where mortal enemies, if I might even dare say Hutus and Tutsis, can break bread together. My wife just finished reading Left to Tell. Left to Tell, Live to Tell. Left to Tell. I'm going to be reading it as well. Where different ethnic people who don't get along can come together and drink from the same cup. This one new humanity that Paul is talking about is the church. And it's not just the church. It is the multi-ethnic church, the diverse church community that desegregates Sunday. This is completely countercultural in Houston, in the world. It's not natural. You ever heard that saying, birds of the same feather flock together? And that's true. There is something, when I get together with Korean Americans, especially if they're from the East Coast, uh, you know, th there's just this natural connection we share. But I know that God calls us not to flock together, but to form a new community of different birds, of different feathers. And so let me just conclude. I know I have a couple of fill-in-the-blanks, but... I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to pass those. I'd like to just finish with these words. Listen to verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. You are fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as chief cornerstone. Here's that phrase again. In Christ, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. Brick by brick, different color bricks, different cultures. Brick by brick, this building is joined together. This kingdom city is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Christ, you, he makes it personal, you too. Claude and Sonia, today you too, you too are being built together as members to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Amen.